0: what's going on, everybody? And welcome back to episode 181 of the Designated Players Podcast. Today, we continue on our journey through MLS history and take a look back at two wildly memorable moments in MLS history. Today, we'll look back at the time when tempers flared between FC Dallas and the Colorado Rapids in the MLS Cup playoffs, resulting in flying fists, suspensions, and fines for goalkeeper Dario Salah. That will be followed by a look back on the Houston Dynamos' second MLS Cup in a row and more brilliant goals from the goal-scoring machine himself, Brian Ching. I'm Andrew, joined by my good buddy Connor, and this is MLS History Retold. I think we're doing the second MLS Cup, is that right?
1: No, we are first MLS cup. We're still in 2006.
0: Oh, goodness. We're already we're already. We're not even Wow. We're we're jumping ahead of ourselves. Here. You don't
1: even know what year you're in. That's <laughs> unbelievable. To be
0: fair, I don't know what year I'm in now, so
1: That's true. I'm you're you're lucky if you know that your head's still attached to your body.
0: That's totally fair. How you doing, friend?
1: I'm doing pretty well. How are you?
0: I'm here. I'm 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 living life. Yeah. Oh man, happy to be back. We're gonna do we're gonna do some planning after this to figure out a good schedule to get more stuff out to you guys. We've been lacking a little bit as uh, soccer season gets going and busy season was underway. And we're gonna we're gonna work out a better schedule on when we can get these things evened out for you. So uh, super excited to get going there and uh, looking forward to that. But what I'm really looking forward to, Connor is the different scarf I know you've brought back for the third Houston Dynamo story in a row. I
1: ha- I have like a few future Houston Dynamo stories as well. So, I mean, it's like season one all over again. I'm bringing out the same scarf every week, but it's my only Dynamo scarf and I am continuing to, I am once again talking about the Houston Dynamo. I, uh, I was literally just thinking the same thing.
0: (laughs) It's season one all over again. Um, My focus is on the Dallas of FC. So, who? Exactly. Little.
1: Nice. Upside down.
0: ah, Little Pride of Tejas. It's a big scarf, this one. Meets in the middle. You know how much I love my scarves that meet in the middle. So a uh, big fan of that one. I like it. I, I, I have been lacking on new scarves recently, so I need to do better at that. Um, if you're listening, comment which scarf we should get next. What's the next team? And we'll let you know if we have it or not. Maybe you can pick out the scarf wall. I'll move out of the way really quick. If you're watching, Watch if, lis- if you're listening, that's going to be really weird. <laughs> um. But yeah, let us know because I'm I'm looking to get a couple new ones here. So hopefully we can do that. Shall we get underway? I think we shall. I love it. We all know that in professional sports, tempers can be lost in the heat of the moment, right? Players play to win the game. And when they give everything that they've got and don't get the result that they wanted, sometimes emotions take over and get the best of them. And that's what happened in the PK shootout between FC Dallas and the Colorado Rapids in the MLS Cup playoffs of 2006. Before we get to the shootout, we should probably take a look at how we got here, because it matters. In 2006, FC Dallas owned one of the best teams in MLS and arguably one of the best teams in the franchise's history. They spent most of the season at the top of the Western Conference and was always in the supporters' shield race, eventually losing out to DC United by just three points. However, they did still take home first place in the Western Conference, beating out the next closest team, the Houston Dynamo, by six points. I wonder if that has anything to do with this episode. Probably, maybe, I don't know. This meant that they would match up with the fourth-place finisher of the Western Conference, the Colorado Rapids, in the first round. In Game 1 of that series, Dallas would win 2-1 after Carlos Ruiz, a name we are familiar with in this series, especially in playoff series in this series. Uh, And Abe Thompson would nab a goal apiece on either side of Terry Cook's 23rd-minute equalizer. In the second round, that's when things really kicked off. The game was fast and physical from the offing, with Pablo Mastroianni seeing a yellow in the 26th minute, followed by a straight red card to number one overall pick, Chris Gabondi. I think he's a, a consensus number 10 overall of all time, isn't he? Uh, Number one overall pick, Chris Cabandi saw this red card in the 29th minute, uh, and this set the tone for the rest of the match. Early in the second half, Mr. Clutch, Carlos Ruiz, would save the day, or so they thought. In the 48th minute, Carlos Ruiz would score to give Dallas a 3-1 aggregate lead, but with a man up, the Rapids kept pushing. In the 57th minute, Nicolas Hernandez scored off a Kyle Beckerman assist to bring the score within one. Now, a reminder, in 2006, there was no away goal rule. So Colorado just needed one more to get it to extra time. And in the 84th minute, it's that man, Nico, again, who steps up and plays hero. He gets on the end of a Jokon Kravosky, or a Jovan Kravosky, excuse me, service, and scores with six minutes to go. This would get the game to extra time. Now, just two minutes into extra time, Dallas think they're given the lifeline that they're needed. When Clarence Goodson scores off a Greg Vanny assist, I love that we're actually getting to know the names of these players now and be like, oh, I know who that guy is. But this story, of course, would not end there because in the 114th minute of extra time, just six minutes from the full-time whistle, our good friend, Cletus, Clint Mathis, pops up in Colorado, rifles one home from 25 yards out to send the game to penalties. And even after all of that excitement, we haven't even started the fun part. This is where the fun part begins. The first three PKs for each team are converted until current LA Galaxy manager Greg Vanni misses his shot completely off the frame of the goal. Both Kyle Beckerman and Simo Valacari score their penalties, meaning the game falls on the shoulders of Real Madrid and Athletic Bilbao legend Aitor Karanka. Now, you'd think Aitor Karanka. He could do it at the Bernabeo. He could do it at the Camp New. But could he do it on a cold, rainy night in Colorado? The answer is no. He steps up and Dario Sala makes the save to send it into the next round. Which means the next shooter has the chance to keep this going and give Dallas a step above in the shootout order. Who's the next shooter up? None other than Dario Sala himself. The goalkeeper steps up in the sixth spot of the penalty kick shootout, stares down his target, and sees it saved by Joe Cannon as he dives to his right-hand side. Pablo Mastroani steps up to the spot for Colorado and tucks it away to win the game for the Colorado Rapids in advance to the next round of the MLS Cup playoffs. And yet, we still haven't gotten to the fun part. I know. At the end of the game, the Colorado Rapids players were celebrating their victory, and some of these players were allegedly taunting FC Dallas fans, including the Inferno supporters group. Dario Sala, long known as a man with passion who wears his heart on his sleeve no matter what club he plays for, took exception to this. When he saw his own supporters being taunted, he went to confront the Rapids player. In the south end, a scuffle broke out, and while there isn't any video that I can find out, the best breakdown of the incident that I can give based off of written reports is this. Rapids players are taunting Dallas fans in the away end after beating them in PKs. Dario Sala goes over and throws two punches to the back of the head of Hunter Freeman and Jovan Kravosk. The latter of which was cited as saying, he punched me from the back, the coward. I was minding my own business and he came at. Me. It's a disgrace and they should fine him. Now, of course... There is a guy who's involved in this, who's involved in basically every scuffle known to man. Our good friend, Mike Petke, Mike Petke saw this going on as a player for Colorado at the time and would not miss out on any of the fun. He came to the defense of his teammates with boots flying through the air, jump kicking at anybody who he could find in a red shirt. All in the, all in the manner, of course, to protect his boys. From here, the crowd dies down and the teams go their separate. At the end of the day, Red cards, penalty shootouts, goalkeeper misses, and all. And, and massive fight altogether. Sala was suspended six games into the 2007 season and fined $3,500, roughly a week and a half's worth of pay. Meanwhile, Mike Peck, he was also slapped with a $500 fine. And while he may have missed some games in the next year, and the shot that would have kept the shootout alive, Dario Sala earned himself a... Sp- Special place in the hearts of FC Dallas supporters on the day coming to their defense to the coming to their defense as the Colorado Rapids fans thought they could get away with something silly.
1: I Hearing like the amount that Mike Pecky was fined for it. It's just so funny when you think about how much players are fined nowadays. I feel like nowadays it's like it could be like 10,000, 15,000 even. And it was like $500 for Mike Pecky. I'm sure he would gladly slap plenty of players in the league for $500.
0: That's exactly what I thought. I go $500. He, he would have connected and paid a little bit more if that was the case.
1: Yeah, I think if he if he had the assurances that it would be $500 every time, I think he would have had a lot more fines over his career. A lot more people slapped as well.
0: Yeah, it... uh Some... <laughs> But again, you got to remember, I guess, what the salaries were then. It is probably a little bit more. But I I think the inflation
1: might be similar.
0: Sure. But I still think the inflation of the fine versus how much people are getting paid these days, I think they still would have gotten away with it.
1: Oh, if it were $500 nowadays, it would be like. Oh, my God. It would just be UFC out there, I'm sure.
0: (laughs) As a peck, he would come out of retirement just to smack (laughs) a couple guys up.
1: I'm sure he wouldn't be the only one that would come out of retirement. Maybe one guy I'd like to see come out of retirement. A man that I've talked about for the last two episodes.
0: You're grasping at
1: straws. (laughs) His name is Brian Ching. And he was an absolute... What's the right way to say this? He was the cog that allowed Houston to make their incredible 2006 MLS playoff run. We've already talked at length about the Houston Dynamo's 2006 MLS regular season with a big focus on the man just mentioned, Brian Chang. So I'll likely keep this to be a relatively quick recap, um, and I'll just focus on their playoff run in 2006. And if you want to hear more about Houston, uh, check out our last two MLS History Retold episodes. Uh, Check out my parts specifically because I will be covering a lot of Houston's regular season in their first inaugural season. So the team, as Andrew mentioned, managed to finish second in the Western Conference, therefore earning them a two seed in the playoffs and a first round matchup with Chivas USA, one of the new boys from last season. A much improved season for Chivas this year, likely because they stopped playing FIFA, sees the side no longer an easy win. The playoff format for the conference semis, as Andrew mentioned, uh, sees the affair as as two games, home and away for each side, with the aggregate goal difference being the deciding factor. Game one was at the Home Depot Center in Carson, California. Chivas would bring their A game and take a two-goal advantage by the 68th minute, which Houston would not be able to overcome. However, that man, Brian Ching, would score an all-important goal in the 75th minute to make the aggregate 2-1. Going back home only down one goal was great for the team, as they would certainly be able to turn this around. At Robertson Stadium in Houston, Texas, the Dynamo would look to complete the turnaround And they would get some help from an unlikely source. Game 1's game-winning scorer, Juan Juan Francisco Palencia, would get two yellow cards in two minutes after he tried to slap Houston's Ricardo Clark early in the second half. With the man advantage, things started to turn Houston's way. In the 64th minute, Brad Davis would score a penalty to level the tie. But Houston was not done. Why play for extra time if you can win it right now? And win it now, they did. The 93rd minute rolls around. The clock is ticking closer and closer to extra time. There may only be enough time for one more attack on goal for Houston. De Rosario, I think De Rosario, plays across into the box from the left flank, uh, which is then popped back, up, uh, popped back up into the air after the header from Eddie Robinson is uh, headed straight into the ground. Uh, and is now a loose ball in the box. Who else but the legend himself, Brian Ching, would find the loose ball and head the ball past the surprisingly hairy, Brad Guzan, to win the tie for Houston in the dying seconds. Next round is a single elimination game, and as Andrew discussed, since FC Dallas was defeated by the Colorado Rapids, the Houston Dynamo were the higher seed remaining, meaning the game was played in Houston, a massive advantage for them. However, Jovan Korovski would put a dent into that advantage within four minutes as he opened the scoring and gave Colorado an early lead. It would not take long, however, for Houston to turn it on and get right back into it, as Paul Dolglish would score twice in the 10th and 21st minute to give Houston the lead. A lead which would not be relinqu- relinquished was even further furthered through a 71st-minute goal from Brian Mullen Certainly an easier round for Houston than the previous. The MLS Cup final saw the Dynamo take on a very talented New England Revolution side, who finished second in the East and knocked out supporter shield winners DC United. The Revs would field some big names like Shalry Joseph, Taylor Twelman, Michael Parkhurst, and Clint Dempsey. The Dynamo had big names of their own, looking to make history in Houston, such as Dwayne De Rosario, Brad Davis, and of course Brian Ching. Despite all those big names, the game went entirely scoreless in regular time, meaning that we were off to extra time. And then if it was still level after that, penalties uh, will decide the championship. In the 113th minute, New England's Kano Smith picks up a loose ball and starts booking it towards the Houston goal. A fantastic run by him leads multiple Houston players to commit to stopping him meaning that one of the most lethal players in league history was left in loads of space, which is a big mistake. Taylor Twelman collects the pass with nobody in front of him and calmly slots the ball past the diving on stat to give New England the lead. Luckily for Houston, this is not a golden goal rule, so they have five minutes or so to try and get back into this game. As if the man Brian Ching would need all that time. Before the TV cameras even finished showing Twellman after his goal, we've kicked off and the ball is crossed into the box from Brian Mullen and found the head of Brian Ching to immediately put the game back level. The crowd in Frisco, Texas goes crazy, as just when it looked like hope was lost, Houston was right back in it. The score remained level for the rest of extra time, meaning we were off to penalties. In between the sticks are two of the greatest to... Bear the gloves in MLS. Matt Reese for New England and Pat Onstaff for Houston. It is not going to be easy to get many past these two. Houston's first two kickers, Kelly Gray and Stuart Holden, both rifled their shots past Reese. On the New England side, Shalrie Joseph did the same with his. Then stepped up Matt Reese himself as the number two taker in the MLS Cup final, and he delivered. Matt Reese put the pen upper ninety to beat Onstad and make it level again. DeRosario would score his next penalty for Houston, just beating Reese into the bottom left corner. Next was Pat Noonan for New England. He took a short run up, but put the shot over the bar. Houston with the advantage. Reese needed to step up, or New England was really in trouble here. Next up was future Houston legend Brad Davis, who saw his pen get saved by Matt Reese. New England can make it back level. Uh New England New England can make it back level again. The extra time goal scorer Taylor Twelman stepped up and blasted one past Onstad to level things again. Round 5 for Houston would see who else but Brian Ching step up. And he did what he does best, be clutch. The stutter step run up sees his shot just get past the diving Reese and give Houston the advantage. It was score or go home for Houston for New England now and up step Jay Heaps. He runs up and hits a slow shot on the ground to Onstad's right, which is promptly saved by Onstad, meaning Houston have now won MLS Cup in its inaugural season. Unsurprisingly, Brian Ching is the MLS Cup MVP, and arguably MVP of Houston's season, as he was insanely massive across the entire season, from day one, which we talked about two episodes ago, until the last kick for Houston of the season. In the penalty kick shootout, a side had not won MLS Cup in its inaugural season since Chicago Fire in 1998. Correct me if I'm wrong, and none have done it since. But the story is not done yet. There may be a part two next season, but you'll have to listen in to a future episode if you want to hear us talk about that. Nice little teaser. Of course, I mean yeah. it may be like four episodes before they get to that one, so nobody's gonna remember the teaser. <laughs>
0: You, uh, you hit a really good a really good uh, Metro name Kano Smith Kano Smith yeah. up there on uh bum of the decade oh boy <laughs> for for Red Bull the worst player on the worst team of the 2000 to 2009 decade uh, so he comes in uh, I believe in the top top 10 I think he's top five as well on that list um so that was fun that brought back some good memories. I'm glad uh, I can bring back the good memories for you. You know, of course, uh, a part of that New England team. So he does. You know, he puts it puts in a, a shift for New England, and then gets to the Red Bulls. And what happens when he gets to the Red Bull becomes a bum. <laughs> what I'm in Moreno too. I'm in Moreno. Same deal. I know. How did I turn this into a Red Bull themed episode? I don't know. I, I just always, have that. It magic. always ends up that way. I have that magic in me, don't I? Um, yeah, some
1: call it magic. Some call it. I don't know. An issue. <laughs>
0: I think I think what's really. Um, again, and, and the longer we talk about the early days, of Houston, the more it's always going to keep coming back. That Houston team is just San Jose and Orange. What would have happened if they didn't leave? Mm-hmm. I keep thinking about that. Every time we I, talk about it,
1: it's credit. I know. Yeah, obviously we talk about Houston like, oh, they won their inaugural season and you could always put an asterisk on it because it's not like a true expansion team. It's just a team that moved, but. I feel like some credit has to be given here cuz I mean every player on that team picked up moved to a completely new part of the country it's a completely different like weather environment obviously like you know maybe not all of their families came with them like it's a whole new situation for them and they just did not skip a beat went from support shield winners to MLS Cup champions like they they did such an amazing job with the move to Houston
0: that is that is totally fair as well and i'll give you that i will totally give you that um, i think that they had an easier time transitioning though considering that they were I, I think if you take the expansion team tag off of them and just call them like a relocated team i don't you don't even need to put an asterisk on it but like if you took that and applied it I think it makes everything a little bit better, but to call them like all the best expansion team in in history when they were really just relocated as another team, you know, in a different color. I think that's what kind of gets me is, is people think it's like a brand new team and it never was. So
1: yeah, I Uh, try to stray away from calling them an expansion side because I know that they're new, but I mean, technically they didn't even expand the league. So it's hard to call them an expansion side. They really just kept the same number of teams.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Um, but yeah. I hope everybody enjoyed that. I really enjoy that. We have uh, a couple more real good ones coming up here in a little bit, including Jorge Villafania and Sueño MLS. That's a great little story there. That is, uh, that's like American dream, you know, to the T. Oh, and then uh, Danny Dicchio's goal and the flying seat cushions in Toronto. Great. Those will be lots of fun. So make sure you tune in for those because those are you're going to enjoy those. We've got good stories there. Uh, and make sure you're following us wherever you get your podcasts because that's when you know when the episode goes live. Make sure you give us a little follow and maybe even a rating or so so you can get that little notification. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok so you know when we post our our clips and things like that so you can interact with us because that's really what it's all about at the end of the day. And we really enjoyed uh, doing this for you. And we hope you enjoyed it as well. We'll see you on the next episode of MLS History Retold and the Designated Players Podcast. See ya.